And I just bought some chocolate to throw at you because I haven't thrown chocolate for a little while. So just if you happen to, if you happen to receive a Freddo, it's all good. If you don't get one, there's plenty more. Oh, oops, oh, 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 just about took Sheridan's eyeballs out. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Hey, Andy, nice work. Nice. That's because you got a great haircut. There we go. Oh, there's plenty more. We'll have some more later. Are you well this morning? It's a union dispute. <laughs> the techies have gone out. <laughs> They've had enough. <laughs> Amy didn't get one. There. Oh, there we go. I promise I'll clean up later, Judy. <laughs> there you go. Ah. <laughs> nice. There's plenty more. I'll just leave a few there so you pay attention. Hey, sorry I wasn't here last week. I was... Um, down at Lawn, preaching at uh, Lawn uh, Uniting Church, St Cuthbert's it's called, in the main street there, if you've ever been to Lawn. Incredible position. It's uh, right in the middle of town. It's the most amazing uh, geographical position for a church. It's a beautiful little church too, gorgeous building, and beautiful people, amazing people. There's uh, probably only about 25 people in the church, and without being silly, and I'm, I'm passing no judgment, just passing on information, the average age in the church is about 80 uh, they were celebrating the 86th birthday of George while I was there. And uh, another guy there is 88. One of the ladies was 79, I think. And uh, just the most beautiful people. And really, really desiring God's presence. Really, really wanting change in their lives. And myself and a couple of other pastors from Geelong, a Baptist guy and a Uniting Church guy, have been helping them out, put a uh, church consultancy together to have a look at their future. Because they've been without a minister for a long, long time. And they want a minister. So we've been sort of working on that, trying to help them find a minister. And um, as part of that process, I went down to preach and, and talk about the, the future with them. So and I might have to go back in a couple of weeks. It was just an honour and, and a great weekend. So thank you for allowing me not to be here. Uh, I wanted you to know where I was because I don't want you to think that now that I've um, passed it or handed in my resignation that I just sort of take random Sundays off and disappear. <laughs> so, see ya. <laughs> Going to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the case because I don't look good in a wetsuit. No, it's not the case because uh, lycra is one thing, a wetsuit, it's just not nice, not nice, not nice. So uh, I'm not slacking off, I'm not missing church services, I'm not running away. Uh, in fact, I think I'm probably busier than ever at the moment with the regular church activities here, just keeping things moving, but also uh, working with our board and elders to look at our future here and uh, what we do with leadership here and who we invite in to look after and take over and take on the church, uh, and also just uh, spending a fair bit of time uh, talking to God and talking to Nikki in that order. <laughs> um, one's more talkative than the other. Um, just, <laughs> just, just with, um, just for trying to sort out what we're doing in the future as well, what my, what my role will be in the future. So there's a whole lot on at the moment. And it's busy, 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 but it's great. It's fantastic. So thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support. And we continue to love this house and pray for this house. And of course, as we've said a thousand times, our desire is to stay uh, within the life and the body of the church. So we're hoping that that's what God will allow and that's how it will work out. Hey, before we start, quick story for you. Who wants to hear a story? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's good. Good response. Thank you. That's good. You're in for it this morning, aren't you? You're up and ready. That's good. That's good. Give me some big eyeballs. I want some big eyeballs. Yep. Thank you very much. That's good. Well, you keep throwing chocolate around and I've got your attention for the next half an hour or so. That's good. Trouble is I can only throw so far. So (laughs) these people here are going, yeah. (laughs) If you want a chocolate, just come down and help yourself. There's plenty there. See who the brave people are. I love that. Everybody's behaving themselves. (laughs) Thanks, Andy. because he got one for his wife. It's nice. Uh, Here's a little story I found during the week. Uh, Leaping Spark. Leaping Spark was one of the brightest young boys in his Indian tribe. 
And he grew up and time passed in his Indian tribe, as time does. And the chief decided that young Leaping Spark was doing so well as the youngest and brightest member of the tribe that, that the tribe would sponsor him and send him off to university. And he could choose the, uh, his own course. So Leaping Spark chose to do electronics and electrics. He wanted to be an electrician. So and he worked hard. So he went off, to, uh, went off to university, graduated top of his class, and he returned home to the reservation. He wanted to say thank you in a very practical way to the chief and the rest of the tribe at the reservation. So he decided, using his new skills, that he would set up something at the main entrance. So at the main entrance to the tribal area, he placed a large moose head right over the, over the big gates. And he put lights in the eyes and around the antlers, and he made it all just gorgeous, beautiful. And at night, it could be, could be seen for miles. It, it was something to behold, something to look at, very beautiful. And so... Leaping Spark went down in history, became very famous because he was the first person from that tribe ever to wire a head for a reservation. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. And, and Ali Gow was the only person that laughed. So, <laughs> come on, That's, that, is, that is priceless. You've got you, you to go with that. Oh, okay. Well, now that we've got off to such a great start. (laughs) Andy, just explain to her later, would you? All right, or not, it's probably not worth it. I just thought it was funny. thought I'd share it with you. There you go. Perhaps we should just get on with what God wanted to achieve this morning. Might be a little... (laughs) Thank you for the clap. This morning is our 16th message in our current series, Learning a New Normal. And uh, look at this. Look at that. Woohoo! Yeah, that's, uh, that took me a week to draw that. Now, Rakesh is ah well. During the week, the new the new computer was sorted out and uh, all fixed up, which is great. And Rakesh has sorted that out, which looks lovely. So, learning a new normal. Someone give that man a chocolate frog. Learning a new normal, as you know, is all based on uh, the Book of Romans. The whole point of this series is to attempt to understand the way God wants us to think and behave. We're having a look at the way the world does things, and then we're having a look at the way the Bible asks us to do the very same things, learning a new normal. We've had a look over 15 weeks at a variety of subjects, including change and faith and personal responsibilities, timing, reconciliation, all sorts of different things we've had a look at from Romans chapter 1 right through to where we are now in Romans chapter (coughs) 6. So, before we move on today, we're going to pray and just ask God to really open our hearts. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6, verse 15. Sing out when you're in Romans chapter 6, verse 15. Whoever was first gets a chalky frog. Look at that. Oh, took out the head. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you right now to be with us, God, to... We know you're with us. We know you're already here. Uh, God, we also know that through your word you teach us that you're with us every moment of every day because if we've accepted you as our Lord and Savior, we, we have you with us. But we also know, God, that you inhabit our praises, meaning that you, you turn up when we start loving you. Particularly in a public sphere, you say that where two or three are gathered, then you'll be there. So, God, we recognize this morning that you're omnipresent. You're able to be everywhere at the same time. So you're gathering with a whole lot of people this morning all over the world. There are about six and a half billion people in the world, I think, at the moment. And God, I believe that well over a million towards, two, sorry, billion towards two billion of those people love and serve you. So somewhere around the world right now, upwards of two billion people over this weekend will be serving you and loving you and thanking you and praising you. And God, we know that you turn up to all of those services. Thank you. Thank you, God. And we, we really love you, God. We really love you and we want you to hear that and understand that and we lord try we commit to trying to continue to try to learn as much about you as we possibly can so god impress yourself on our heart and our head and particularly god holy spirit link with our spirit and change us reshape us as we learn a new normal as we look at new ways of approaching similar regular daily life subjects Help us, God. Help us, God. Shine upon us. Show us your way. You're a mighty God. We praise your name. Everybody said, 
Amen. Romans chapter 6, verse 15 to 23 says this. Starts with what then? Now, you have to put that into context because it's talking from the verses that were just before that, talking about the difference between law and grace. We've covered that a few times, so we understand that we're living under grace, not under law. So this goes on from verse 15 and says, What then shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't fool yourselves. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted and you now have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And I put this in human terms, says Paul, because you are weak in your natural selves. All of us are. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and you've become slaves to God instead, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What? fantastic scripture every week there's just the next lot of scripture is just so wonderful and so strong and clear and powerful and this word is uh, this week as I was preparing and praying and thinking the word that really stood out to me this the, the concept it's more than a word is obedience obedience it's more than just a word it's 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 a concept it's a way of life it's a pillar it's a foundation in all that we do obedience Obedience is about being willing to actually follow the authority of something other than yourself. Being willing to follow the authority of something other than yourself. So I kept rereading verses 16 and 17. Let me do it again now. Verse 16 and 17 in there, just so good. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you have been entrusted. You are slaves to the one you obey. This is powerful stuff and a timely reminder, I believe, this morning for all of us that we have to realize and understand and remember constantly that we are actually captured by or tied to or connected to that which we choose to follow. Whatever it is that you choose to believe in, whatever it is that you choose to follow, whatever it is that you believe to invest in, wherever you put yourself, whatever you connect yourself to and attach yourself to, whatever you say, this is what I believe in, whatever I value and hold dear, that thing is the very thing that I will now serve. That thing holds me captive. That thing is the way, it will shape the way I am and the way I believe, the way I act, the way I respond. You are slaves to the one you obey. Now, when you think about that, please remember, the concept or the term slave is not a bad thing. In, in, in terms of scripture, as we unpack this, let's remember that slaves actually were well looked after and well treated, and they became members of the family. And often after the first uh, uh, season of internment, the slavery period, which was approximately seven years, they were given an opportunity to then stay on in the family. And many chose to be what they then called free slaves. They were still slaves, but they were allowed to be there and they were happy as Larry. They were in the family. They were looked after. 
So when we read the term slaves, don't think of that as a, as a bad, kind of pushed under, destroyed, uh, abused, neglected thought. We're talking about slaves in the context of connection. Slaves are involved. Slaves are part of the family. They serve the master. They look after the house. They're part of the fabric of what's going on. And you and I get to choose who we are slaves to and what you are slaves to. Your choice in life determines what you will serve. That's exactly what Paul's saying here. We've got to ask ourselves a little series of questions. If you're writing them down, scribble away. If you're not, just remember them. Who or what am I serving? Who or what am I serving? To whom or to what am I giving my full attention? What do I really believe in? What am I listening to? What has captured my head and my heart? Who or what am I following? Which is all summed up in one question. To whom or what am I giving my obedience? You are slaves to the one you obey. In the context of learning a new normal, the world would say to us today, well, you can believe in anything you like. And in fact, you don't really have to believe in anything if you don't want to. Well, that's rubbish. Because try as hard as you might, everybody believes in something. Everybody believes in something. Even if you want to fight for your right to believe in nothing, you'll go down in history as the guy that was an absolute believer of nothing. (laughs) Because it's something. There isn't a person alive that doesn't think about something. Now, there's plenty of people that will deny the presence of God. That's their choice. And we still love them and we still pray for them. Absolutely. But those who say, no, I choose to believe in nothing, well, they're lying to themselves. (laughs) Because even by saying that, they're actually believing in themselves. They get up every morning, brush their teeth and have breakfast and plan a day. So they must believe in something. They may well believe in nothing outside of themselves. But the mere fact that you're here and you're doing life means you believe in something. So it's not actually even logically, intellectually sensible or right or correct to say, I believe in nothing. Of course you do. Every one of us believes in something. There is always a something or a set of somethings that's in underneath our heart that is guiding our decision-making process. Of that, there is no doubt. What the Scripture is saying here is choose very carefully what your something is. Choose very carefully what your something is because you will become a slave to the one you obey. You will become a slave to the one you obey. Put simply, through what we just read in Scripture, God, God just says this. Basically, step one, you're all going to choose to connect yourselves to something in life. And whatever that thing is, whatever you choose to follow and obey, well, that's the thing you're going to serve and become a slave to. Full stop. Step two, choose. Because ultimately, there's only one choice, two options. Choose between being a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Your choice. Choose to attach yourself to sin, which basically means a life without God. Well, then that's a pathway. That's a a, a valid choice. Choose it. But be prepared because everything along the way then means you will be a slave and you will obey and you will follow a pathway without God. The other choice is choose God, choose righteousness, choose to connect yourself through Christ with God. And if that's the pathway you choose, also a valid choice, then that's the thing that you will continue to follow and obey and serve and be a slave to for the rest of your life. Not a bad thing, but remember that. We've got to get that slave thing in our heads probably. Because we will all choose something to believe in, to belong to. It's the way we are. We need to wake up, grow up, recognize that, understand that, realize that. And remember too that we don't always necessarily have to or do talk about it kind of loudly or, or let it out. Because what we believe in what we hold dear, what we value, isn't necessarily best demonstrated by our words. 
It's best demonstrated by our actions. So I can tell, and so can you, a lot about ourselves and others by the way we act. What I say is important, but what I do demonstrates what I believe in. What I actually do proves what I hold dear and what I value. I'll give you an example. Now, I don't have to kind of march around and protest and draw up signs and declare loudly to the world that I believe in gravity. Well, I don't. I mean, I do believe in gravity. <laughs> I don't have to declare that very loudly. Because if I'm walking along, minding my own business, and I come up against a whopping great hole in the middle of the road, I know that I should walk around that hole. Because if I just keep walking right over the top of that baby, I'm going to fall into the hole. Why? Because of gravity. And I believe in gravity. I'm a gravity believer. <laughs> Count me in. Woo! I'm a believer in gravity. I know I'm going to fall. Now, I don't have to join the gravity party. I don't have to join the church of the living gravity. I don't have to wear a T-shirt that says, choose gravity. I don't have to talk about it. It's just in me. I believe it. I get it. So my actions display that. I walk around the hole. I choose to incorporate that as part of my belief system and I choose to display that through obedience. But I don't really have to talk about it. So for us, what I'm saying this morning is a kind of a simple, simple message. But I want us to really grasp it so we'll pull it apart a little bit. Learning a new normal, number 16, or just call it obedience. It's basically about getting us to think, what am I being obedient to? Two, whom am I serving? Where have I put my trust? Because that is the thing that I will serve and be a slave to for the rest of my life. My life is a choice, and it's my choice because it's my life. God's made it very clear in Scripture, I get to choose how I live my life. So do you. You and I, have the absolute opportunity as individuals to decide how we want to live. God never made us robots. He was never interested in pre-programming us so that we would simply do everything we were told. Might have been a lot easier if he did. But we're not God. He's done it this way so that we actually get to choose who we serve. The sooner that I realize that I will actually become a slave to the very thing that I give my full attention to, the sooner I realize I've got to understand what this thing obedience is because I want to get it right. I want to know what I'm obeying and I want to know what obedience is and what it means so that I can obey properly that thing that I've chosen to serve. I've chosen to serve Jesus Christ. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But I better understand what that means. I better get a bit of a realization of what obedience is. And what is required of me as I tie myself to God, as I say, sign me up as a slave, God. I want to be in your house. I want to serve your house. I want to be one of your family, one of your team. I want to be with you, God. So now teach me, God, what this obedience thing actually is so I can do it to the best of my ability. So that's why we have a look at obedience. We're going to answer three quick questions. What is obedience? How do I get obedience? And how do I know when I'm walking in? obedience firstly what is obedience normal definition or understanding of obedience would probably include such terms as carrying out commands or following orders or heeding instructions all lovely words grammatically correct and beautiful but there's far more to obedience than terms from a dictionary the definition i really like goes something like this obedience is the evidence of my faith obedience is the evidence of my faith. It's basically the proof of what I believe in. Because faith and belief is where it starts, obviously. But it's very hard to demonstrate faith. It's very hard to show a set of beliefs. It's very, very hard. 
So there's got to be a second step. What comes after faith? What works with faith? Like peaches and cream. I was going to sing then. Like a coach and a team. What was that? Um, perfect match. Anybody from the 80s or is it just me? Like peaches and cream, like a coach and a team, like a something and a something. Anyway, what do you got? You got a perfect match? There you go. Faith and obedience. Just having a moment. When you step out in obedience, you're actually illustrating or proving creating evidence of your faith. It starts with faith. It starts with a belief system, as we said. Everyone believes in something. I happen to believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe He's the only answer to the mess in the world. I believe He created the world, and He loves every single person, and His greatest desire is that every single person would come home and be part of His family. That's what I believe. That's my faith. That's my belief system. That's what keeps me going. That's what gets me out of bed. But there's got to be step two. Because I've got to be able to talk about that in some way, shape or form. Not like the whole gravity thing. But I've got to be able to at least demonstrate my faith. That takes obedience. Obedience is the evidence of my faith. For example, think about it this way. If I believed that wealth creation finance, money, was the most important thing in my life. And I had chosen that as the guiding or foundational pillar in my life. Clearly I haven't. (laughs) But if I had, if that was where my faith lies, if that's what I'd connected myself to, then I would begin to obey what that choice demanded of me. Because if I've picked a set of beliefs and and a faith system, well, now I obey it. Now I am a slave to it. I want it to work. So everything I do will be about making sure that my faith system actually grows and works and expands and does what I believe it's meant to do. So if if for me it's about wealth, then I'll start to listen to everything to do with wealth. And my obedience will come into play because I will serve the master of wealth. Uh, please understand, I'm not saying money's a bad thing. Have we got all that? Just smile at the person next to you and say, money's not a bad thing. Nothing in the Bible says money's bad. Thank you for repeating, that's good. The Bible doesn't even say that money's evil. It just says that the love of money is a root of evil. Not all the evil wrapped up in one (laughs) just a root of evil christ actually spoke a lot about money because he knows that our heads are wrapped up in this stuff and he wants to release us from all that connection to money and get focused on him i'm just using it as an example because it's an easy example for us to connect to if money was my master then i've become a slave to it and the way i live will become evidence of what i believe in that would be the same no matter what i was serving If I had decided that my family was the most important thing in my life, then everything around the way I believe, the way I structure my time, everything, I would become a slave to that which I have connected to. Now, again, the family's fabulous. And on earth, second to God, the family's the most important thing I have. But we must firstly serve God, otherwise nothing else makes any sense. It's all in an upside down and backwards order. But no matter what it is, and use this example very broadly, just so you get the concept, out in the world, those who are connected to money, or those who are connected to fame, or those who are connected to job security and career advancement, or those who just choose anything that you know people are connected to, and you think about the way your life unfolds once you connect yourself to something. Because we all believe in something, and you'll connect yourself to something, and then you become a slave to that which you obey. That thing you follow starts to predetermine the way you think, act, and behave. Because everything in you wants it to work. And you guide your whole life around it. Obedience is the evidence of my faith. So from a godly perspective, I've chosen to place my faith in God. So now I follow up that choice by serving Him, loving Him, and obeying Him. 
1 John 5, 3 and 4 says, This is love for God, to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is love for God, to obey His commands. So how do we get obedience? Well, basically, it's a choice and it's a learned behavior. Two things. It's a choice and a learned behavior. Firstly, it's a choice. Like everything else in life that we talk about, it's a choice. It's your call. Three simple steps. Listen, hear, and obey. If you want to scribble that down, you should never forget it after that. Listen, hear, and obey. You can't do anything without listening first. So open your ears. Hear what God is saying. After you've listened, you hear. Take it on board, grasp it, grab it. We don't always understand the full complexities, but we try. Listen, hear, and obey. Make a choice to listen, to hear, and to obey. And then it's a learned behavior. Obedience is a learned behavior. Same as with kids. If you're a parent, how wonderful, how rewarding, how incredible, how awesome, and how challenging, and how frustrating, and how tiring, because it's about teaching those whom you love a learned behavior that they can repeat and replicate and reproduce on and on for the rest of their lives. Teaching and learning. And we're God's children. So he's constantly teaching us. Sometimes the experiences we go through are stink. And sometimes the experiences we go through are exhilarating and incredible. But always what we go through teaches us. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, there is a verse of Scripture that constantly staggers me. It's talking about Jesus, the Son of God. And it says... He learned obedience from what he suffered. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, Hebrews 5, 9. He learned obedience from what he suffered. So you go, wow, I've had some great experiences in life and I learned. And I've had some shocking experiences in life and I also learned. So thank you, God, for teaching me obedience no matter what the situation is or was our job basically is to walk through the good times and the not so good times and turn them all into learning times so that we allow god to help us grow without becoming overly religious and certainly not self-righteous and certainly not oh look what i just learned good on you but where are you really up to and are you still open to learning and is god still working on your heart So that third question, how do I know then when I am actually walking in obedience? It's good to know what obedience is. I can see how we get it through choice and learned behavior. How do I know when I'm kind of there, when I'm actually walking in obedience? Well, I think it's an ongoing deal. I'm pretty sure we'll never quite get it right till we get to the other side. But I'm also fairly convinced that we'll start to see ourselves changing. We'll see ourselves becoming more and more true to the heart of God himself. Micah, a little book in the Old Testament, beautiful book. Micah 6.8 says this, He has shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So how will I know when I'm walking in obedience? Will there be at least those three things present in my life? There'll be some justice, some mercy, and some humility. Some justice, some mercy, and some humility. I'll be honest, and I'll be full of integrity, and I'll start to see things through God's eyes in the sense of justice. And I'll have some care and some compassion and a greater understanding of forgiveness through mercy. And I'll start putting God first in everything, not just some things. And I'll start putting others before myself in everything, not just in some things or when it suits me. That's how I know when I'm walking in obedience. 
That's how I know when the choice that I've made to serve and follow God and align my, my slave position in his house and I'm obeying him, how do I know when I'm actually walking in obedience? I will see in my life some justice, some mercy and some humility. And I'll go, okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. Here's a practical, just as a last thought, a practical demonstration of obedience for you. I'm going to get Rakesh just to put up on the screen behind me three phrases. The will of God, the call of God, and vision from God. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this in the last, obviously, in the last few months in the context of my life and what is God doing and where am I going and how does it work? And it kind of made sense when I was thinking about obedience to, to share a little bit of this with you, a little bit in a sense of my journey. But I, I absolutely know that you'll get something from this. It will be good for all of us just to understand this a little bit. The will of God. It's first. And it's right across the top of everything else. It's the most important thing. And I think sometimes in, in church life, we, we've said it before, we tend to develop a, a language which various people have called Christian ease <laughs> over the centuries. And we talk about things and we spout different words. And I wonder sometimes whether we really understand what we're talking about. So I think it helps if we define some of this stuff. The will of God. What is the will of God? Well, scripturally speaking, you could refer to the will of God as the purpose of God. The will of God, the purpose of God, the cause of God, whatever you like. A couple of things to remember. One is it doesn't change. <laughs> The will of God does not change. And put simply, I think we mentioned it before, the will of God is that he wants everybody to come home. The will of God. He wants his family back together again. Second Peter 3 verse 9 puts it this way, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some would understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. The will of God, the heart of God, the purpose of God, the cause of God is that every man, woman and child would know him, love him, serve him and come home and be part of his family. Full stop. And that has never, ever changed. The second thing that sits underneath the will of God is the call of God. The call of God is for every Christian, man, woman and child, to fulfill his will. It starts with the will of God that everybody would come home and none should perish. And underneath that is the call of God, where God asks every single Christian, everybody who's signed up to the will of God, if you like, who's understood the will of God and said, yes, I choose you, then he calls those people. Call, call, call. Speaks out. Sends a message. Calls out. Sets apart. Dedicates. Grabs hold of every man, woman and child and says, I've placed my hand on your life and I remove you from an ordinary day-to-day -day life of serving yourself, and I give you gifts and abilities, talents and personalities, and I say, go! Love me, says God, and love each other, says God, and serve and preach and teach the people so that they too will love me. That's the call of God. The will of God over the top that everybody would come home. The call of God to every Christian, to get on with it. And the third thing that sits underneath that, the final layer, is vision from God. Because the vision from God is then the process by which we actually do it. The practical application of the call of God is called vision. Because as you pray and as you say, God, I love you, and I understand your will. And God, count me in on that call. Now, what do you want me to do? What's my vision? And God allows you to see 
that which he wants you to do. That's why it's called vision. You can see it. And it's achievable. It's seasonal. The will of God is permanent and irrevocable and does not change. The call of God is permanent and irrevocable and does not change. Vision from God is seasonal, changes often, changes regularly, and it's achievable because it's a set task. God says, I want you to do this. Now go and do it. And you can achieve it. And when you've done it, you go back to God and you say, I did it. What else have you got for me? He says, ah, see, I'm doing a new thing, Isaiah 43. It's coming. Can't you perceive it? Now it springs up. Here it is. Go do it. New vision. Same will, same call, new vision. Now get this. To understand all three of those things, it takes two very key elements. To understand the will of God and the call of God, it takes faith. The belief system, a values choice. To then transfer from will of God, call of God, into vision from God and actually do something, takes obedience. Faith to understand the will of God. Faith to hear the call of God. Obedience to actually do vision from God. So obedience plays a massive role in all of this. The question we've got to ask ourselves, where am I putting my obedience? Am I obeying my human desire for fame? Am I obeying my carnal desire for sex? Am I obeying my head desire for money? Or am I obeying my spiritual reality of a connection with God through Christ and getting on with the job? Because at the end of the day, you and I will stand before God and give an account for what we've done and what we haven't done. I want to be able to stand before God and say, God, I made plenty of mistakes, not that I'm telling you anything new. (laughs) But at my very heart, God, I always tried to love you and serve you. I did what I did based on an understanding of a faith that was real and genuine and based on a desire to obediently tie myself to you and follow what you have in store for me and go for it. Unafraid to trip over and make a mistake. Unafraid to feel some pain, get a bit of egg on my face, make a bit of a nut of myself because I want to see your hand on my life, the life of my family, the life of our church and community and this nation. I want to see change. I want to see people praising God, marriages put back together, families reunited, kids that have strayed coming home to their parents, people that are sick healed, people that are emotionally messy reconstructed. And it can only happen through the presence and power of God. So I choose... I choose to obey him and become a slave to that which I obey. My question for all of us this morning is, are you doing that too? Are you doing? Let me close with this thought. And Amy, if I can grab you or Ali, that'd be marvelous. Simple thought. Jesus is always our focus and must be. He's the measuring stick for our lives. He's the author and perfecter and finisher of my faith. So it's appropriate to finish a thought and a message about obedience with a Christ-centered thought. I had a look at the things that Christ said from the cross appropriate on a day where we've had communion 
I noticed that God said, Christ said, seven things from the cross. I haven't got time to teach them all now, although one day I think I will because it's amazing. The first thing he said, he talked about forgiveness. Second thing he said, he talked about relationships. The third thing he talked about salvation. The fourth was about abandonment and difficulty. The fifth was about thirst. The sixth was about priorities. And the seventh and final thing that Jesus Christ said as he hung on the cross was about obedience. Because if you think about it, go check it out. John 19.30 records that just before he died, Christ breathed his last and said, It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And my question was this, how was he able to say it is finished? And then it hit me. He could say it is finished because it was. Because he had done everything he was asked to do. Because he had completed the task. He had fulfilled the will and call of God. Through vision, through action. He had done everything he was asked to do he could say with total fulfillment it is finished and that's all about obedience had he not been obedient he could not say that had he not lived a life of total obedience to God he could never have said it is finished I want to be able to get to the end of my life and cross over that final finishing line. I'm going to be 101, by the way, because I want to get to 100. And I'm still going to be wearing lycra. And I'm going to crawl over that line. And I'm going to say, God, I don't look so hot at 101. <laughs> I didn't look so hot at 35. But, but I made it. I got there. And it's so good to be home in your house. And I cross over that line and I say, God, it is finished. I've run the race. I achieved everything you set out for me. And I, I apologize for the mistakes. I'm sorry about the stuff that I didn't quite understand, the stuff that I messed up. But I know you know my heart, God, and it is finished. Can't say that if I don't now, today, choose to live a life of obedience. Otherwise, everything else doesn't make any sense. Because I haven't tied myself completely to that which I serve. So I serve God and I serve God proudly. And I serve God, hopefully, humbly. But I serve God with obedience. And I absolutely encourage and implore and request and suggest that the very thing you do is give God everything you've got and do it with obedience. So I want to pray this morning. I ask you all to stand up for me. That'd be great. And I want to pray. And I'm going to guess that if you're anything like me, and I'm pretty sure we're all pretty similar, really, when it all boils down to it, aren't we? We all walk through some of the same stuff. I'm going to guess that there's a few of us that haven't quite lined up with God by way of obedience and might need just to spend a moment with God. And I don't do this a lot. Normally I just say, oh, stay where you are and pray, pray for yourself. But this morning I'm feeling really like I want you to actually make a public statement. I want you to be brave and say, yep, I need to fix up some obedience stuff in my life. So even as I'm talking right now, if that's you, just be brave. Just walk right down here and stand here next to the chocolate frog wrappers. Um, I won't bribe you with a chocolate frob. You don't need it. You just need to get with God. Come, if, you, if you need prayer right now or you just want to stand here in God's presence and say, God, I'm sorry. I, there is some stuff in my life that I haven't lined up properly with you. Obedience. Thank you, Sam, for being honest and brave. I appreciate it. Or if you're here this morning and you have never actually even met God properly, if you've never really prayed a prayer and said, God, I, I, I think I need you in my life. I, I haven't actually ever had you in my life before, but I think I, think I really do. I think I need you. If that's you, come out here right now too and I'll pray for you. I'll give you a cuddle. I'll tell you about God and, and ask you to stand with God this morning. It'd be fantastic. 
Good on you, Michael. Good to see you, man. Andy, give that man a cuddle. Brilliant. Brilliant. And please don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. We're in church. We're a family. If you need prayer for any other reason, you can come out. But I want you to focus on obedience this morning, okay? Uh, and I'm not going to pray over the microphone. That's no, no one else's business but these people. But I will ask the band to play so the musos can come and just sing uh, whatever we were singing before. What was that song? Great is the Lord. Brilliant. Let's just sing that as a church. And if you're um, not coming out for prayer, please don't run away. Please sing. It's important right now that we finish the service with song and we finish with strength and unity and, and pray over these people that are here for prayer. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Excellent. So sing loud, sing strong, pray for these crew. And if you want some prayer, come out and grab some. Okay? Bless you. Heavenly Father, right now we pray. Right now we pray that you, Heavenly Father, you, O Lord, would strengthen us and bless us, would pour your spirit over us. And we know, God, we've we've been learning that we live under an open heaven. So it's more about us just remembering that your spirit is already pouring out all over us. So thank you, God, for pouring out your spirit. Thank you, God, for loving us and setting us free. Thank you, God, for showing us a new and better way to live. God, we take that on board this morning. Every one of us, God. Those who are meeting God for the first time, those who are reconnecting with God, rekindling their relationship with you. And those who are doing okay, but just want to tell you they love you. Whatever category we fall into, we're all part of the family together. So thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for your unbelievable heart. We praise you this morning and thank you. And we go out this week knowing that you love us, full of confidence that comes from you and desiring to be obedient to you, tying ourselves to you, committing ourselves to you to live the best possible life we can, to make you famous, Heavenly Father. Thank you, God. We go out in your name. Bless all these people. Let them have a a ripping week in your name. Thank you, God. Praise your name. Everybody said, amen. Let's sing. Praise God.